Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Sarah, you're going to be so proud of me. I've started going to the gym. Have you really? Serena, I am very impressed. Please, can you give me some tips? Because I've been finding it so hard to get up in the morning if I'm not teaching, especially now it's really cold and dark outside. I just want to stay in bed. My sneaky little secret is that I treated myself to some sweaty Betty power leggings. Have you tried them yet? Do you know what? I actually have. I've been wearing them for my yoga practice and I have to say they have been making me feel bloody great. They're high-waisted, so everything is just really tucked in. And if you're really supported by them, I could not recommend them enough. They're amazing, aren't they? They feel literally like a second skin. So I just jump out of bed, slip straight into them, and pop off to the gym feeling super confident and comfy. Sweaty Betty are kindly letting Kitchen Club listeners in on my early morning secret and offering you 20% off to spend online. All you have to do is simply enter the code Kitchen Club at the checkout and we can all try and motivate each other on these darker mornings with the help of our Sweaty Betty clothes. Thank you so much, Sweaty Betty. Thanks, Sweaty Betty. And see you all in the gym in your power legs. Hello and welcome to Kitchen Club with me, Serena Louth, and my lovely friend, Sarah Malcolm. Hello! Kitchen Club is the weekly podcast that brings you conversations from all around our kitchen table. Every week we have a new guest, a new area of expertise to get stuck into, and a new recipe which we create using our guests' three all-time favourite ingredients. We also ask our guests to share their healthy habits. This is something that they do on a daily basis, which enhances their well-being and keeps them feeling happy and balanced. In this episode of Kitchen Club, we speak to the insanely wonderful Melissa Hemsley. I'm sure a lot of you know Melissa already, but if you don't, she's a cook, an author of four cookbooks, has a cafe in Selfridges, is a columnist for The Telegraph, writes a fortnightly column for Vogue on sustainability, and is a furiously loving, compassionate, and wonderful human who I'm very lucky to call a good friend. She's also on a mission to help us all banish food waste. So she's pretty impressive. She is indeed. Melissa's ingredients were what she calls the holy trinity, garlic, ginger, and onion. We had the most delicious and comforting lunch at Sarah's on a cold autumnal day. It really was the perfect antidote to this miserable weather. So if you want the recipe for what we cooked, Melissa, keep listening to find out what it was and then head to our Instagram at Kitchen Club Podcast where we'll post the recipe on there. So here is the incredible Melissa Hemsley on Kitchen Club. Melissa Hemsley! Hello. Hello. I'm feeling in the happiest digestion mode possible. Are you? Taking my cardigan off. Oh my God. (laughs) The heat's getting to me. That was so delicious. Thank you very much. I mean, your dal, your sambal. Did I say it right? Coconut sambal, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know how you say it. Sambal, We just, our bellies are full. We've just sat down after eating the most delicious dal. Dal. Dal with all the trimmings. Dal with all the The trimmings. What were your three favourite ingredients, Melissa? Um, I'd also like to say shout out to your granny for lending me her socks that I'm wearing <laughs> Before now. We Before we start. What were my three ingredients? My three ingredients were ginger. <laughs> Garlic. Garlic. Oh my gosh. Sorry, brain fog. I had a very late night. My three ingredients are ginger, garlic and onions, uh, which my mum, who's very Catholic, 
wouldn't say, but I say are the holy trinity of ingredients. <laughs> but my Catholic mum says ginger, garlic and onions make everything taste better. But my my favourite dish, which I shall make you guys when you come to mine, is called um, tinola. Tinola. What is I it? I pronounce it right. It's ginger, garlic and onions um, fried together. And then you add carrots. Um, and in England, we do courgettes and pak choy and chicken sometimes you could do a bit of fish but my mum would do um local greens uh, in the philippines and then you you put loads of broth in it or you make mm. the chicken carcass makes a broth and so on and then everybody gets a little dish of soy sauce and fresh lemon juice my mum in the philippines they would do calamansi which is yeah. like lime but tastes like orange Ooh. yeah so she's devastated that we didn't grow up with that so you have soy sauce or tamari that, is that own fruit it's its own fruit, right. squeezed into the tomato soy sauce and then loads of white pepper. And then you spoon it in yourself. So everybody's got quite a simple broth, if you think ginger garlic and onions is simple, but big flavoured. And then you salt it, you know, you make it extra salty with the soy and tamari and everything. And then you can add a splash of fish sauce too for extra salt. Yum. I mean, it's so good. And that's a Filipino dish. That's a chicken, Filipino dish. Not chicken tanola, or is it chicken tanola? That is chicken tanola. Yeah. Or you can add veggie tanola. And that's, I've probably had that every week of my entire life. I've got like a whole fridge drawer. Freezer drawer filled, filled with it. Yeah. Because I've just come out of, this is why I sound a bit croaky, I've just come out of my events. And so my mum, bless her, came round and she filled up a freezer with it. <sighs> She's so nice. woman. She's so lovely. Hi, Vanjie. Hi, Vanjie. <laughs> so we've just had a dal made by Serena, which was absolutely Fab. delicious. Thank you. It's my favourite, favourite thing in the whole world and it's my boyfriend's favourite, favourite thing in the whole world so I feel like I'm well practised at it. Mm. How many dolls do you think you've made? Hundreds. Hundreds. Yeah. Serena and I were just in, well not just, a couple of weeks ago now in France on retreat and you made the dal that evening and it was really rainy, wasn't it? And it was yeah. the most delicious thing. It's the most comfort food food ever it's cheap and cheerful too Do, mm-hmm. when you made it was everyone then like can we have it tonight again can we have it the next night no not that good <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's the best thing to make because as you say it's cheap yeah meat eaters always love it yeah if you, if you give them veggie doll they're always happy yeah it is you can adapt head. it however way you, I mean I loved your yeah. onions and your crispy garlic bits that was Sarah's addition was so that was crispy onions on top because we're going all out for the onions if they're your fave ingredients yes oh, so, so we, we had, had onions like four ways yeah. I didn't lunch. think of that yeah we had crispy onions on top with um, mustard seeds and can't remember what else kaffir lime leaves <laughs> kaffir lime leaves oh yeah. it's so good and then we had coconut sambal which is desiccated coconut un- red onion lime zest lime juice and then chili and then we had a cucumber and onion little salad thing and that was it it was so yum i'd have that on fried eggs Mm. i'd have it on any boring Mm. soup you know Mm. when you just got a boring soup in the fridge that's a really good topping it's the new pesto the sambal or that yeah no i think sambal it's the new pesto or an asian salad yeah 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 and i loved your you know what's so nice and also when people think dal is, you know, okay, you've had one dal, you've had them all. You have not. No. You can you have can a million dals. Whatever veg you've got left in the fridge, you can yeah. put in. Or you yeah. can roast them and put them on top. Mm. It's a winner. So, Melissa, you're <laughs> feeling a little tired. Yeah, we're all a bit coffee today and spluttery, aren't we? we are. mm. <clears throat> but you've had a big event last night. Your I have, last, Sarah. Your last of the, the <laughs> sustainability sessions. How hard is it to say? It's hard. I can't say it. Um, it was the last of the sustainability sessions, part series one, and I can't even believe that. I was going to say I pulled it off, but it makes it sound like some <laughs> sort of bank heist. Um, but no, last night, what I always do you ever get that? You must have felt that after your retreat. You know, you do an event and then you're pumped. Mm-hmm. And even if everyone's told you we had the best retreat of our lives, your doll was the best doll of my life. Like every, so you get Sarah Malcolm, your yoga was the best of my life. You just can't. You've got to digest it. And, yeah think it's great for yourself so every Monday of the last eight Mondays I've just not been sleeping and then in the morning I wake up and not having slept I'm like was it good enough was it okay Mm. did everyone have enough time to say stuff did the audience feel they got value for money did they have did we answer some questions or did we open up even more questions so I did all that and then this morning I woke up and I was like oh my gosh and I felt like a bit bereft like the sessions have ended my books at the printers Mm. and then I was like I'm 
coming on the Kitchen Club podcast. <laughs> and Pretty you've just well. spoiled me all day. I've had five yeah. rounds of tea. I've been, I haven't, you won't even let me wash up. And then you're going to take me to the bakery off for, for a big yeah. walk. Yeah. So I feel... I feel like I feel that gr- gr- grieving moment of when something's happened and I haven't quite gone through the digesting of was it good mm-hmm. but essentially I, I I felt overwhelmed and by the state of the planet and I thought I want to learn more and I want to connect with amazing women and a few men it's basically like your podcast and like, <laughs> let's all have great conversations about meaningful things and let's also do them in real life like we are now yeah so talk us through them. You had, was it eight sessions? Eight sessions. And they were based on different topics each week, right? Yeah. With an overriding theme of sustainability. But actually I realised that when I messaged all the speakers that I wanted to speak or thought people would want to hear from, I maybe didn't craft, you know, my pitch in the right way. So I called it sustainability sessions and I said, you know, meaningful uh, co- live conversations across a variety of topics and the overriding promise from each event was let's help make more positive let's help learn and share more positive steps in the right direction that not only benefit you but other people whether they're your mates or sisters across the land um you know across the world and protect the planet and so you might hear Indy just clanging about that. I'm sorry, my naughty puppy is she's eating, so delicious. She's eating her way through mm. Sarah's living room. Try giving her that. I wish we could just set up a little dog cam and you could just watch us all try and talk really seriously, and then there's just this bundle of joy bouncing around. But yeah, I just I wanted to have these conversations and I thought, well, what what can you Google? You'll just Google stuff and get even more overwhelmed mm. and where are the truths? You don't you just don't know, or Ecosia, if that's your internet search. Um, or you could read a million books. But I thought the best thing is get brilliant women and Matt Haig, who was the only man. Not because I was excluding men, but because I thought all the women I all the people I wanted to hear from were women and mm-hmm. all the people I chat to. I don't really chat to many men. I mean, do you guys? Not really. I, I do. We've got some amazing men on your podcast. We do. We had the incredible we do, Jack, Jack Norman. Norman. But I, I do feel like, and maybe it's just because it's the industry we're in, but the most important is the wrong word, but the most interesting of chats I have are with women. But that's because I see women most. Yeah. Throughout my throughout my day. Yeah. I think it's a. I think it is a conversation, or all of the stuff that we talk about is relevant for men as well it should be we should be discussing the things that women talk about with men and that's what a lot of the time we spoke with Jack on is that men need to be part of the conversation just as much as women need to be part be part of men's conversation and it's not a gender issue it's a humanity issue Mm, yeah I only had a few people a few men in the audience and I was quite surprised but then maybe I'm promoting it on my channels which are predominantly followed by yeah women but um yeah no and actually when I think of a lot of the the, the pioneers in the sustainable food world you've got Tom Hunt and Doug McMaster and Tristram Stewart and Hugh Fanny Whittingstall and there are a lot of amazing women but yeah so I'm just feeling a little bit knackered and a bit itchy itchy tickly throaty from just putting them on and I know you know that from putting on your podcast and producing it and making it happen and putting yourself out there. Like, it's mm-hmm. scary, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Even asking people to speak. I mean, how many times did you rewrite your your, your email intro? Your spiel? Did you so rewrite many. Yeah. <laughs> so many. <laughs> and now you must be so proud of yourselves. We are, aren't Are we? you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. if you think, do you know what I sometimes do? I play a little game with myself. I'm like, when it's Christmas Day and I'm lying on the sofa after dinner and I'm watching shit TV, what will I, what will I be proud of myself for? Like, I, I kind of think of Christmas as more of the end of the year than New Year's. And I'm mm. like, what am I proud of? And like, yeah. you've made a podcast. It's amazing. You've got incredible people speaking. You've learned so many new skills yeah. in and amongst all your other jobs and skills and own personal development that you're doing as well. And, you know, becoming a fur baby mama. I was th- actually thinking this last night about how probably in all of our lives and I guess a lot of our listeners might be able to relate to this as well that we focus a lot on 
what we're not doing and sort of neglect the stuff, the cool stuff that we have done. Gesundheit. Um, please, Mary, just quickly go back to sustainability session. Okay. But I selfishly just want to know what your biggest takeaway has been. I mean, there's eight to think back on. But as we're in this reflecting mode... Oh my gosh, yeah, you're helping me digest it. Yeah. Well, I think what what it threw up was that we didn't touch the tip of the iceberg um, in terms of the questions asked. I mean, we had really amazing experts, Professor Rebecca Early, head of circular design and textiles. We had... um, Juliet Kinsman, who founded Mr. and Mrs. Smith and is a, is a luxury travel expert and journalist and has set up a sustainable and positive impact hotel consultancy. And every single person that I asked, these experts, these journalists, these writers, every, people that have sort of dedicated their lives to those particular areas, Anita Rani, who did the BBC One documentary War on Plastics with Hugh Funny Whistle, they all said, we don't have the answers. Nobody's got the answers. Mm. And the biggest takeaway is that um, not only do we individuals have to rise and act and not be scared of the word activism and not be scared to use our voice, but we have to demand that the bigger guys, and I'll say guys because they mainly are guys, sort their shit out. And we really have to use our spending power. We have to vote with our spending power. And we were just, weren't we, watching the Greta Thunberg Mm -hmm. and George Monbiot um, video just now. And they say in it, you know, protect, restore and fund. Protect the planet and people, uh, protect nature, restore nature and stop, stop using our money to help fund the people doing bad things and help fund the good things. So... There's lots of, I think the the positive is, because that makes it all sound doom and gloom, is there's lots of tiny, tiny things that we can do the whole time that we can keep repeating. And then there's the bigger stuff and the deep adaptation that we can commit to and not to worry about, try to not get eco-anxiety, which when I first heard that word, I laughed at. And then I realised I've got it because I felt that by putting on an event called the Sustainability Session, I can't say it, the Sustainability Sessions, that um, I thought I would, you know, because I'm always a bit nervous about, you know, ever doing anything where someone might be like, you're a dick. I just, you know, for a long time, you know, when I bring out cookbooks, there's always someone that's like, oh, you know, it's not it's not foody enough or it's not, or it's too healthy or it's, it's not healthy enough or you haven't catered for absolutely everybody. Um, you know, and I do love a bit of feedback in that way. And I, and, and I, as much as I know that you can't please everybody, I do like to keep people happy. I think it's in my nature. I think most of us do like to do helpful things that people will like. But um, when I started them and I called them sustainability sessions, you know, I freaked myself out and was like, well, one, oh my gosh, will I be a good host? Like, can I ask the right questions? Um, will I be able to say the word, the sustainability sessions every single <laughs> week? Um, will anybody come? Will my speakers feel that what I've pitched is right? Will people say, well, you can't solve sustainability in an hour and clock them well on a Monday evening? Um, and I, thought, I feel similar about bringing out my book, which is going to be, you know, in a couple of months. And I think, but the important thing is, bringing that back away from myself, back to everyone is, if we think that we've got to do something perfectly, then we'll never do anything. It's like all the memes that go around Instagram. Mm. There's never the right time. You'll never be 100% ready. You know, all of these things. Like, I'd like to be a mum soon and my boyfriend's shit scared and I'm scared and I'm 34 and, you know, I've got to do it. I'm not going to not do it because I think I'm going to be bad at it. Or, you know, really bossy, anxious mum, which I will be. An eco-anxious mum. An everything-anxious mum. You know, you know me, sir. I don't like to turn off the I don't know you know I, I'm the person that's like can you check the candles off can you check the cookers off I, is that you too <laughs> me Serena? too you know and, and oh, I'm so that, glad I'm not alone with no. that and it's and it's terrible because you know we 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 like to have incense and candles burning but then you're like if the turning off part of all of that freaks me out then am I actually relaxing myself burning these things I was home alone last night my boyfriend was away with work and I was like oh gonna light some candles and I was like no because if I'm the only person to know that they've been blown out before I go to bed, I'm not going to sleep. <laughs> I feel exactly the same. Anyway, so I'm really so pleased. And I think what we just talked about at the beginning is, you know, you know you've made an amazing podcast. You know you guys smash it at retreats. But it's not enough for people to tell you it was helpful. You need to sort of know in your gut that yeah. these things are helpful and meaningful and have purpose. And so that's what I am trying to tune in as much as possible because... 
the danger, not the danger, but we're lucky. We're all freelance. We all work for ourselves. We can spend our time however we want, as well as paying the bills, which the things we enjoy doing aren't necessarily the ones that pay us any money. So now I'm sort of very much like I want to spend, I want to wake up every morning and I'm not going to always get the amount of sleep I want, even though I actually feel like sleep is the number one thing we should be prioritizing and I would probably say that came up in every single sustainability session is sleep more because if you don't look after yourself you can't take on the world you can't look if you can't look after yourself you can't lend your voice and I think a lot of the people you know I was at Extinction Rebellion helping to cook in these underground kitchens that we had to keep secret because the police were shutting down kitchens wow um and i was you know my anxiety was in overdrive also i was on shit loads of drugs goody two shoes as well oh yeah for my head girl (laughs) i was on loads of drugs because i'd fallen down the stairs i was on like all these full-on prescription drugs trying to cook and be helpful in an underground kitchen and also i was saying to people on Instagram, come and join me, and then feeling very responsible. But you know, no, it w- it wasn't dangerous. It was the right thing to do: is protest for the future of the planet um, and feed the people that are protesting. Underground kitchen, as in physically underground or secret kitchen? Both. Oh, it was it was a slope. It, I would say it wasn't a sort of ten floors down, but there was a definite ramp slope. <laughs> it was a, it was like a car park vibe. Okay. Um, and what did you cook for the protesters? Well, I was dal. <laughs> say, Serena, there was a lot of dal. I there bet. were pans. There were pans the size of this room. Wow! And you could feed two thousand people per Whoa. pan. And we made a lot of dal. Funnily enough, all the vegetables. Not funnily enough. I mean, everything was donated and gleaned. So basically, gleaning is when uh, people volunteers go and clear farmers' crop, uh, farmers' produce that they've. Um, they've got excess of so maybe either it's wonky and not good enough for supermarkets they can't sell it or they've um they always grow more than they need in case things go wrong so this it costs the farmer doesn't have money or resources to pick that leftover produce so it just rots not because the farmer doesn't want Mm -hmm. to but the farmer's got to manage their quotas so people go in and glean and so it was a lot of gleaned vegetables a lot of wonky vegetables um and then like slightly out of date you know tin tomatoes or, or not yeah. even you know as we all know those things don't That's matter rough. and we all become too um anal about them as it were mm. so yeah when you said what did I cook I mean I was on red pepper chopping duty for about four hours I don't think I would say I didn't even cook there was just a production line people you know there were shifts like six in the morning till 12 and then 12 till six wow. and a bit later and you just literally did everything because I'd fallen down the back my back I thought oh god I don't want to be a hindrance and turn up and not be helpful so I made my boyfriend come Henry and I said to him basically please can you come brackets you've got to come because I need if, if someone says can you move that I don't want to be like oh I'm really sorry I can't yeah. I've hurt my back so he came to help me and he absolutely loved it he was lugging potatoes oh. I was like see you don't have to go to your gym now <laughs> he's lugging potatoes he was peeling them he loved it and it was such a sense of achievement to mm. have done something um and then we kept going back and it was really great to do. But what struck me was that when I posted about it, loads of people were like, oh, I'll get involved, I'll do it. And I felt the only reason I knew it could happen is because I personally knew some of the people organising it, Tristram Shirt and Feedback Global, who do this all the time. And I thought, God, there's only so much these people can do. Why is it not a bigger thing? Like, why are there not more people in the food, like the big celebrity chefs? You know, this is not me pointing fingers. I know... I, I know lots of celebrity chefs and high-profile food people, and they all have a, 10 charities they support, yeah. and they all spend shitloads of time helping people out. But I was surprised that it was it, it was as hard as it was. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously the, the police arresting protesters and so on didn't ha- doesn't help people feel you know not want to get involved but there were there were lots and I think the next time that something like this happens which will be very soon I'm going to make sure well in advance I, I sort of share get you two involved and you know just say like this is what we can do and it's safe we're not doing anything wrong we're feeding people that are protesting and yeah. it's a great thing and you know people were out on the streets for two weeks at a time you know not having a hot shower or a hot meal if these people weren't doing it for them it's quite amazing yeah do you think that you have an obligation because you have an online presence 
to be at the forefront of these things and be like come on people let's let's pull together and and do this I mean it's hard enough for the average individual to to try and have like a, a an eco life and do good but you've also got like this weight of followers that look up to you do mm. you feel like that makes you want to do things oh, I'm trying to word this in I know a, what in you I know way. what you mean I don't I actually just I'm literally thinking do I feel an obligation to people following I don't and not because I don't care what they think I don't because maybe I'm lucky I get I, I pretty much get nothing but supportive comments yeah and I feel really lucky because I know a lot of people don't. And maybe maybe by the time this goes out, I'll have loads of haters, I don't know. But So I don't feel that anyone that follows me is giving me, um, publicly giving me pressure. I do it because it feels like the right thing to do. Um, and some, I'll, tell you what, I'll tell you what maybe I do feel more. I feel more of a pre- pressure to post free recipes for people <laughs> to enjoy because I know that they love them. And when I don't, they're like, can we have a soup recipe this week? Actually, I think I was a bit surprised. I think when I have posted about Extinction Rebellion and so on, I haven't got the engagement and I'm doing that with my fingers. Not because I want the engagement because it makes me feel better. I think people, I don't know, I would love to hear from what people think, but, you know, I might get X amount of engagement for for a, you know, a doll, let's mm-hmm. say Serena, with some pink pickled onions, and then a tenth of that for people wanting to get involved or what people think about Extinction Rebellion. And I am surprised by that, but as I said, I also get it because it feels scary and, and un, it doesn't feel tangible. And until I was at the Extinction Rebellion kitchens, because Tristram, the guy who set up Feedback Global, and he, you know, ten, he's done an amazing TED talk you should get him on the podcast he wrote incredible book Feedback Global's 10 years old it's all about bellies not bins and he um, said to me you can either go and cook in the um, Trafalgar Square you know loads of journalists and press kitchen or you can be really helpful and go and cook in a secret underground kitchen I was like I'll go and be be helpful Um, but I'm not I'm not posting and I know you're not saying this but I'm not posting it for sort of well done you I'm posting it just because I know that when I before I got there I was I was a bit scared I didn't know what to expect didn't know how helpful I could be I didn't know just you know I'm control I'm a Virgo control freak I just I'd like to know what's happening and you know Tristan's like just show up and I'm like oh but you know watch and he's like just show up (laughs) and then I showed up and in the first second I loved it and then I and I just want to I I guess I feel the pressure I want to I want to get that message across that everybody could do anything. Like yeah. you don't have to be able to cook, although we can cook and it's great. We don't need to be able to cook. And, um, Mira Manic, you know, um, she was one of the people, amazing, amazing woman and chef. And she's got a cafe chai by Mira in Trioga in Soho. We were trying to go at the same time. Cause I said, you know, it'd be great, t- great chance to just catch up and have a chat yeah. Mira, but we can do something as we chop. And in the end she had to do an earlier shift than me. And when she got there, no one was ready to cook. So she just helped sort stuff. She helped do like a little tally take of what ingredients they were running out of or what they had access of. So she absolutely loved it. She did like three hours of sorting. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> kind of feels a bit like what I can imagine wartime to be like. Yes. Everyone Just community pulling mucking together. in. Yeah. Everyone mucking in. And you know, it was it was brilliant and there was such interesting people there and you know, same old person, you know, personality clashes and people being like, Oh, that person's not tidied up their area and you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it just felt great. It felt it felt you know, my mum talking about obligation my mum is you know I say like she's very she's Filipino and Catholic but she's very Filipino and she's very Catholic and she's always so involved with church and community and we grew up in army bases and it was very much like you had the army family you had your own family you had your Filipino family in the Philippines that my mum was always sending money back to and and helping and support as families do for each other and then there was the church family and you know it's always been very much you look out for each other and I I do, I get itchy feet. Like, and also I am working on this. I don't like to not be helpful, but then there's also that inner itch of what does that say about what I feel about myself? You know, so I'm really exploring these things in my 34th year. Why do I feel like I've got to do stuff for people if I don't, do I, does that not make, you know, am I not good enough if I don't? Interesting topic. It is interesting, isn't it? So with all your sustainability focus, food waste is clearly a really big problem at the moment. Yeah. 
Sarah's given me some stats. We've got some stats. This isn't Sarah's stats. Over a third of all food produced globally goes to waste. That's shocking. It's tragic. The annual value of food wasted globally is $1 trillion and it weighs 1.3 billion tonnes. All the world's nearly 1 billion hungry people could be fed on less than a quarter of the food that's wasted in the US, UK and Europe. That's terrifying. 25% of the world's fresh water supply is now used to grow food that is never eaten. Never eaten. If food waste were a country, it would be the third largest emitter of greenhouse gases. I mean, these go, these go on. They could go on. Yeah, and it's going to get worse. Yeah, well, just, you know, thinking of, you know, one of those pots for Extinction Rebellion feeding 2,000 people. And at one point, the Feedback Global team in this secret kitchen were cooking 10,000 meals a day for the protesters using surplus vegetables mm. and out-of-date food. And I do a lot with the Felix Project, um, who gather food. And actually, a lot of the food comes from supermarkets and food brands saying we've got loads of food come get it or we'll get it to you so that's that's um act that's them um, actively looking for a home for it which is better than just putting it out i mean it's good that that's not an option anymore for people but yeah food waste is massively scary and i think that however you choose to eat and it's unfortunate that a lot of people feel very intimidated or feel the need to label themselves so completely with food i sort of say I'm an omnivore. I know before that when I say things like, oh, I'm a cook and I cook healthy, delicious, feel-good, mood-boosting food, you know, someone's going to have a problem with some of those words, as we just spoke about at the beginning. You know, you can't really talk about yourself without someone finding offence with a word. But I think however you choose to eat vegan, omnivore, anything in between, food waste is an issue for absolutely everybody. And, and me too, you know, I, I'm not 100% perfect. And I think one of the reasons is, is because we're not taught to cook um, as we should. So we throw away and we're creatures of habit. So if we're used to chopping something off or we've seen someone mm. on a TV show doing it, or we see people on Instagram doing those really cool overhead videos and not blaming anyone, but you know, we do eat with our eyes, so we want it to be beautiful, but actually so much of what gets thrown away is first and foremost, free flavour. Yeah. Because you, you can't make someone not waste food if it tastes gross. So it's flavour and it's um, it's more substance. You're literally throwing away food you could eat and you're throwing away your money, I think most importantly. Yeah. And actually money is sometimes the motivator for people. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Even when I was preparing stuff earlier and I thought oh the, cu- the cucumbers would probably look prettier if they didn't have the skin on and then as I almost meant to get my peeler out <laughs> I thought no keep those on and also Sarah one less peeler to wash up at the exactly, end of the day exactly <laughs> but it is yeah it's a massive issue and I mean my the borough that I live in Hackney is great because it's we have food waste bins but I am very aware of even how much stuff that you throw away from just your everyday cooking. What do you think are some tools for allowing food waste to stop being such a big thing within the home that everyone could do? Yeah. Because I know, I know, I know you're good at this. Thank you, Sarah. Um, I think I was good at not wasting because army, army dad, Filipino Catholic mum, very thrifty and frugal. And my mum hates those words. She's she's told me and she'll hate me, (laughs) hate me even saying that she hates those words. Um, My mum doesn't pay attention to anything I do, but I'll say it's a Sarah Malcolm and Serena podcast and my mum will listen to it because she loves Sarah Malcolm. (laughs) My mum... My mum will message, will send me, um, my mum will send me Sarah Malcolm's Instagram post. Oh, And I'll be, I'll be like, I follow her too, mum. But, uh, so I think I'm good at not wasting-ish. I think I was good at not wasting because that was drilled into me from the very beginning. It was like the classic of you got one, one good chicken and you made it last three meals, at least chicken tonola chicken soup with the broth maybe some like chicken scraps into like a minestrone type vibe or something like that um and my mum I think my mum you know not I think my mum comes from very modest upbringing she didn't have very much money for food so that was that and then there's army mentality and you mentioned what the war would be like and there's that rationing feel so I already had that as well and then I left home when I was 18 and I started working and I didn't didn't have uni grants or anything like that. So I had no money whatsoever. So I've always been, Sarah knows that. Like I'll be like, no, I'll do it that way. 
And I'm like that. And I probably, that's the biggest argument I have with my boyfriend is not wasting food. So when I'm making like a pot of coffee, I'm always like, who's having a pot of coffee? Because I can't bear it when you make a cafetiere. And then, mm. I mean, I can't bear first world problems, but you know, and if I do have coffee left over, I'm like putting it into the fridge. I ice it or I'll add it to a smoothie or I'll just drink it cold just because I don't want to waste it. Because I went to Kenya as a fair trade ambassador and I spent time with these women who were the first, some of the first women in Kenya to own their own coffee bushes. That's what they call their, their coffee trees. And before they owned their own coffee bushes, they were um, doing a lot of the work um, of, of the the coffee work, um, but receiving none of the income because the men would get paid every quarter or twice a year or once a year and the women wouldn't get it. And one of the men that set up the women in coffee projects with the help of fair trade said that at one point they used to have to, the men used to hire security guards when it was payday because the women quite rightly were like, give me some money so I can Mm. feed and clothe your children and keep the house going. Um, so, and I watched these women carry 50 kilo sacks after a 15 hour day of coffee berries that's what the coffee berries are and walk for another two hours to go and drop it off and then I remember we flew back from Kenya and I landed at about six in the morning and I got home and my boyfriend was like do you want a coffee and he was like putting coffee bag of coffee grounds into like a you know a jar decanting it or whatever and putting some in the cafeteria and you know probably about two tablespoons worth went over the counter and he just sort of like swept them into the sink and I was like no don't waste that like I know I've actually seen the backbreaking work that's gone into that and speaking of climate change you know some of the women were saying to me that last year was the first year they'd had like intense heavy hail which damaged all the coffee bushes and so they're really frightened about what's happening with the weather and you know when there's no water and all of these things anyway so back to your question of what we can do I think one one way to do it is it's got to be visual so before it even gets towards your food waste caddies or your compost bins I like to cook and have um a bowl and if you've got a see-through bowl even better because you can really see it but just a big bowl or whatever um and when you're cooking notice what you're putting that you're not cooking with so the things you're putting away and at the end of your meal whether it's a stir fry or a stew or a curry or a bolognese look at it and be like did I need to waste that I Mm. never peel I mean I'll peel a celeriac because they've just got these very thick very brain-like tentacles sometimes around them so like that I draw the line at and very nobbly um but I don't peel carrots and I don't peel parsnips and I don't I mean I barely take a leaf off a cabbage it's all good you know and I just wash stuff really well I buy organic almost all of the time I get an organic veg box I've got my organic um farmer's market at the end of my road and I feel lucky and I know that is a privilege to have that but when you buy better quality and you don't waste it then you can afford the good stuff and it just swings around again you know I get the you how many times have you been to my house and I've got broth going yeah and you know even we had our friends come around on the weekend and Henry picked up a really lovely bit of beef on the bone and we had a roast dinner on the Saturday night with our friends then the next night um he made a, a like a beef broccoli noodle stir fry for dinner it was delicious and then last night there was a tiny bit of beef left over and we just had it of like actually the leftover veg from the Saturday night we, he just like sort of stir fried it up but not Asian vibes he just literally fried it all up together mm. um and then that beef bone has been bubbling away for two days as well yeah. we've been giving it to Nelly Nelly having beef broth I'm literally craving a bit of broth now and I'll put some miso and it will just go. So I think visually looking at your waste in the face will make you rethink it. Um, and, and like another takeaway you asked earlier, what's the takeaway from the sustainability sessions is not having shame. So not pointing the finger. Okay, maybe I did shout at Henry when he tried to get rid of loads of coffee down the drain for no reason, but not beating yourself up because we know that when you beat yourself up, it just reinforces this message of we're not good enough and that we should just give up or makes mm. us freeze. So I just go, right, what can I say f- for next time? And so, and also another thing I think is helpful is I love a full fridge, like a full fridge for me feels, and it, it, it's it's like an instinct, a fridge and abundance of stuff makes us feel safe. But actually some people might buy a lot. I probably have done this in the past and then it's there and then you just feel, 
it goes to waste because yeah. life happens, shit happens. Maybe you get asked on a date, maybe you have to work late. Someone invites you out for dinner. We live in London, got a you know, carpe diem, let's go out for dinner. And you come home and you think, shit, I've just wasted my money. Yeah. So I always think frittata soup or shoe and I make one of those. My favourite thing is looking in my fridge when I don't have many ingredients and I always make the best thing. Do you? Because I have to use my brain more and be yeah. a little bit more inventive. Yeah. And then you end up making something really crazy and yummy you're like yeah that felt good it feels so satisfying yeah what's in your fridge right now serena it's actually quite depressing tell i was just i was just <laughs> Let's come i was just like dreaming about leftover lunches because i feel like i'm the same i always make the best things when there's nothing in there but we were away at the weekend so there's literally like half a blob of vegetarian parmesan and a tube of tomato puree well, quite a few that? beers <laughs> Something stewy with some beers. <laughs> um, obviously, a super stew or a frittata. <laughs> a lovely beer stew with some nice beans in it would be lovely. Yeah. A super a super stew or a frittata. And another thing I think is use the freezer. So I, I you know, I've been building, rebuilding a, a wreck in East London for three, oh my God, four years now. And one of the things I wanted, obviously, was a big kitchen that's open plan because I work from home. So I justified that in my head and I need to work from the kitchen to pay for the renovations. But I made sure I had a freezer as big as my fridge. I know that's, I'm very lucky to have that. And it's the first time in my life and I cook for a living. So that's an expense. But um, I think about what I could put in the freezer before. So ginger is an amazing one. I mean, I go through so much ginger. I don't really do this, but if you're listening and you like ginger, but you can only buy a big knob, I'd say you lucky thing having a big knob of ginger. <laughs> but if that's overwhelming, put it in the freezer and then you can grate from frozen. So like great. Yeah. And actually sometimes it's easier to maneuver the ginger. Yeah. I saw Jamie Oliver was grating up chilies, frozen Ooh. chilies. I think I've seen that too. Have you seen that little video? The best thing I think is when you cook too much and then, and you have like one portion and you put it in the freezer. And then on one of those nights where you get home really late from work and like, oh, and you're home alone, you're lonely and you can't bother to cook. You don't want to go to the shops. You don't want to go to the shops because it's dark, because it's England and it's cold, obviously. And you have like one perfect little portion of delicious yeah. dal, probably, or bean stew or something. I wish you had some dal leftovers that you would send me home with. Oh, yeah, That's sorry. my only complaint about the podcast. Sorry. <laughs> that happened to That dal was so good. On Sunday, we found a, a rogue chili in the freezer rogue. and I was like I don't think we cooked this <laughs> oh it's like a chili con carne oh I thought you meant like a chili that's been living in our house like this okay well can I tell you something what did you did no. you put it in no it wasn't me it might have been because you know when you have your Monday night Monday night yogas and you work late sometimes I do send you off the you stuff do. and it goes yeah. in the freezer okay I'll tell you I went out with a guy and we had a house together and this is a while ago and when we broke up I had loads of food in the freezer and he said he fed his new girlfriend <laughs> freezer. I had some meatballs and he fed my meatballs to his new girlfriend I mean sharing them as a heavenly love constantly but I love the freezer and you know I think a lot of people worry about freezing and you know it's best to obviously cool it down as quickly as possible and then get it into the freezer but I do the same you know when I've got access to really lovely organic slow reared meat I buy it direct from the farmers and I freeze it and then I bring it out and it makes me value it more but I think yeah if whatever you, whatever you, what are your like top three comfort foods bolognese curry dal um a good old-fashioned chicken noodle soup or a lovely mm. minestrone and whatever it is just cook the biggest pans worth or if you don't have very big pans three get three hot hobs on the go make it big put it in the freezer and then also swap it with friends so like serena if you made that dal i'd swap it with one of my minestrones and we could just have a little like food swapping circle i like that i call it food karma which i think maybe i won't call so much anymore but this idea of swapping food around my mum used to do that so she'd have you know, Friday night prayers. She'd have Sunday going to church. She'd have Friday night prayers, and she and her girlfriends would take it in turns. Her Filipino friends, you know, living in Kingston in the eighties and nineties, they take it in turns to host it. Everybody would bring a dish um, round, like you did today, mm-hmm. and then they would bring, but they bring loads, and then everybody would go home with some a portion Aww. of everybody's dinner. Everyone would wash That's up so together, nice. and then everyone had food for the weekend. That's brilliant. I love that. It's really yeah. nice, isn't it? 
Sharing's caring. Sharing's caring. And, and that's the whole thing of food bringing people together and like being enjoyed with friends and family. Spreading love through food. And, yeah. you know, it's very, it's also an American thing, isn't it? Potluck, potluck meals. And, and when we lived in army bases, that's what people did. People just, like, even when I moved into my house, um, that we'd been doing it for ages and we thought our neighbours hate us. On the first day we moved in, you know, Mike across the road was like, here's a lovely he didn't say he's a lovely but it was lovely he was like my wife made this it was a polenta cake and it was lovely Mike thanks Mike thanks Mike something you've mentioned a couple of times now is your healthy habit what making broth yeah oh my gosh oh my god my brain is so dead yeah making broth I think because it's 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 um uh, it's you know waste free it's delicious and I think that's what it's got to come back to I keep saying that flavour first I'll, I'll say it in order of why it's flavour first it doesn't waste it for me I mean back to flavor first for a second it makes every single meal taste even more delicious Mm. so if anyone's listening and they're veggie or they don't want to um think about the idea of um broth from animal bones which I understand if that's your feelings you can do not the same but similar with um simmering seaweed um and adding miso at the end I like to add miso at the end when it's the properly fermented stuff um, and dried mushrooms and mm. any kind of full flavored stock you know sometimes I add like um veggie Worcester sauce or tamari or um like bruised um or, or like toasted seeds like your lovely cardamom and just make big like flavor bombs mm. that make everything better mm. so, so we've been we've been trialing this tell me but, about your bony broth <laughs> well bony I broth. think so ever since I met Melissa oh yes how, how long is that and then half four years ago is it um I'd never even thought of making broth ever and do you remember the first time I actually did it and I messaged you it must have been about a year ago yeah and you were like take the lemons out now Oh, because I didn't want the lemons to be bitter for you. Yeah. I don't want, so you, to, I don't want you to be disappointed with your first broth. <laughs> so I was making chicken broth and it was absolutely delicious. And then we've been, ever since then, so I feel like this is an extended healthy habit. Um, Piers and I have been, every time we cook meat, or if we don't, we've been turning it into something and actually the other night when we were cooking this chili that we found from the freezer <laughs> could have been an ex-girlfriend yes <laughs> we found um Piers had frozen a broth go Piers I know and he put that in the chili mm. and it made it taste incredible yeah incredible and I've also found since doing it um the bits of vegetables that I'd throw away like the ends of onions exactly. or bits of garlic throw them in to the pan like the knobs of carrots yeah. carrot tops and then boil it up like that exactly yeah there is a, a home for every little bit of waste mm. and exactly pretty much everything except for the lemon only because the lemon can add a bitterness but then you can definitely squeeze it in at the end or something but it's amazing yeah onions some people put onion skins in and garlic cloves and oh god it just makes everything more delicious and it feels really loving like you're really putting love into your food and a future you yeah investing in a future you yeah and like you were saying Serena about on a rainy day when you come home and you know it's so wonderful and it's it's like oh I was a good I was a good girly <laughs> doing that from before it's you're like, like I'm better than I think I am yeah. do you ever do things for yourself when you're drunk <laughs> like like when you're drunk and you like oh no maybe when you're sober and you like lay out your pajamas and like yes. do the washing up and then you come home I'm trying to remember which way I around it is. Either, either when your drunk self does nice things for your sober self, for your hungover self, or when your sober self does nice things for your I drunk don't think self. My, I don't think my drunk slash tired or knackered self has ever done anything nice to my... I think definitely... Yeah, like if you around. have a dinner party and while you're a little bit boozed, you're like, I'm going to do the washing up. Oh, I see what you mean. And you, you like mean. clean the house. And then yeah. in the morning you wake up and you're like, God, I'm good when I'm drunk. Yeah. That has never happened to me, but I would really? definitely let you do that. I'm, I out. love washing up so that the next, like purpose. the next morning you wake up and you're like, what party? No, <laughs> no party happy in, oh, happened yeah. here. Absolutely. How was your broth experience? It was good. I don't eat meat, so I was doing veggie broth, which was nice. I think it's great. You can use it for the base for like risottos and soups and I've loved it now that I've got sore throat. Oh, yeah. Because it's like... This Liquid is goodness. one of the healthy habits you were most excited about, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And as you say, using up all the ends of bits that you don't want to throw away. Do so you know I think lovely. it's real. In the spring, 
like asparagus broth with asparagus ends and like pea, uh, pea, pea cake, if you get fr- fresh peas pea casings and mm. you know all that all those Delicious. lovely green bits and and I use stalks I use all herb stalks and pestos and so on apart from mint which mm-hmm. mint stalks are too woody and I save that for tea but so lovely like basil stalks and mm, I just mm, mm. Mm. hungry again already I am hungry again we're gonna go to the bakery aren't we, we yeah are. um but yeah I think I think visually seeing your bits uh okay so visually seeing your bits and think, thinking about what you could put in like broccoli stalks into a stir fry um making stock whether veggie or meat or fish if you eat fish and then when you cook cook more than you need because then you save your time energy and everything in the long run and you can swap it so you never you know I know that feeling of like I, I always think wow massive vat of dal gets better you know delicious divine now better two days later mm. but if you think oh, I'm going to be bored of my dal put it in the freezer if you don't have enough freezer space swap it with a, with a mate such a good idea and if you think you're going to get bored of dal then we probably shouldn't be friends yes exactly <laughs> exactly see you later I've never met anyone that dislikes a dal no, no. me neither no. If you dislike dal, tell us. <laughs> Message us now. We can shame you. No, we won't. We will help you make it better. But you know, like you put that crispy onion garlic thing. You Ooh. know, someone might think, okay, by itself. You know, two days later, I'll be bored. You could put that on. You could do a coriander chutney. You could be, do some preserved lemons on top. You mm. can make it different. Preserved lemons. You are making me hungry again lemons. now. Melissa. It's not the end. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Is it the end? Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you for coming. Much, Serena. Thanks, Sarah. Lovely to see you as always. Yeah, and thank you for inspiring us to make a lovely lunch for us all. Thank you for your gorgeous lunch. <sighs> thank you. Such a pleasure. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much, Melissa, for joining us for lunch away from your very busy schedule. And in amongst our chats, which could have gone on for hours if we didn't give ourselves a limit we also completely forgot to talk to melissa about her brand new cookbook called eat green which is coming out on the 9th of january 2020 so if you haven't pre-ordered it yet we'll pop the link in the show notes so you can and it's going to be incredible and if you want to get the recipe for the dal with crispy onions and coconut sambal that we cooked for her then head over to instagram at kitchen club podcast If you're interested in fighting food waste from your very own home, I've recently been loving Oddbox, who deliver wonky veg and surplus fruit and veg that would otherwise be thrown away. It's affordable, they deliver to your door, and the produce is really good quality. So I couldn't recommend that more. You can also learn from Melissa and start making broth, veggie broth, meat broth, whatever you are into. Let us know how you get on. Thanks for listening. Hopefully see you next Monday. Bye. Bye.